Hey, this is Will Chase from NBC Smash. I'm sitting here today with Christian Borrell, who plays Tom on NBC Smash. My first question right off the bat, Christian. Wow, this is happening fast. <laughs> no, hold, let me just give me a second to settle. Hi, Will. It's are you, nice to are see you it. settled? It's nice to see yes, you. Yes, let's, let's do it. We only saw each other last night. Now, do you ever get confused of where you are? Because you are also in a Broadway show. Peter and the Star Catcher. So you've wrapped Smash, and now you're in a Broadway show. Is it's your head spinning? It's, uh, uh, it took some uh, stamina mm-hmm. and uh, a mental adjustment. It's what we, we in the business call a high-class problem. Yes, it is indeed. To be doing two amazing things at once. But no, it's been a lot of tea. It's been a lot of rest. And as I think you can hear in my voice, <laughs> sometimes the hours are getting to me. The dulcet tones. I remember we were finishing the last episode, episode 15. You and were you fantastic were, you were, Smash, by oh, the way. thank you. Um, you were shooting and rehearsing at the same time. How hard was that? Well, in some weird way, because Smash took precedent, NBC basically had control of everything. I was just, <laughs> whenever Smash called, I went. Right. And the amazing gift of Peter and the Starcatcher, which I actually didn't think I was going to be able to do for mm-hmm. a while, and then they got the Brooks Atkinson and the schedule shifted, and that was like the clouds parting, and it was really one of the happiest days of my life. Yes. They were patient enough, and because we'd done several iterations of it, they were confident enough, I suppose, that I knew what I was doing, that they were just really at the mercy of Smash. So I would shoot one day, and then I would have a day off, and I would go and do Peter. And I initially wasn't going to do Double Duty, but uh, I really do love those guys so much that I just went <laughs> when I was free. Did you ever, ever, ever think that you would be doing a television show and a Broadway show at the same time? Did you ever think you'd have that kind just, of problem? You can take the second part out of this <laughs> sentence. I never thought I would be doing a television show because I was always told that I had a nose for the stage. And then I grew up to have a chin for the stage. So my sister used to tease me and say, you're going to get mom's nose. And I proudly did. Um, but no, I, I, I can't believe it. It's like a dream come true. But let's talk about Will Chase. I think we should say, first of all, that, you know, you and I have been around the Broadway community together for more than a decade. Yes. It's, it's, I've known of you and we've we've met. Uh, I, I remember we... Uh, our longest conversation took place in the Smilers Deli on 8th Avenue between 45th and 46th. Do you remember that? I don't remember we that. We were both getting soup. And uh, so happily... Is there liquid you and soup? There is now. Um, happily, when uh, when you got Smash and we started doing Smash together, that's when uh, our friendship blossomed. Yes. Um, so tell me, what do you think... Um, I certainly have opinions about the matter. Are the primary differences between working in the theater and then suddenly uh, having an extended go on television? The logistics, just working in the theater, is as glamorous as everybody thinks it is. It's a very grueling kind of schedule, especially the musical theater, because you're constantly, you're waking up, you're constantly worried about your voice. It's the first thing you think of in the morning. You do some, hmm, hey, oh, oh I'm right there. Yes. And that's all you think about. Of course, if you have to disrobe on the stage, which I've done a couple of times. You have mm-hmm. to also worry about the body. Beyond that, you we know, should you, come back to that too. We'll come back to that. Been naked on stage. That's a whole. That could. That's a half. I hour tend right to make the, the audience leave, and then I just stand there in all my pin-spotted glory, and then I call them back in once I'm robed again. But you had to really do it eight times a week. Uh, yeah, but 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 the eight times a week thing is a, is a grueling thing. Again, a lovely problem to have. Television, of course, as you know, you may get up at five, but you're driven to set. And then you, you know, the thing about TV is you get to do it over and do it over and do it over if you Mm -hmm. want to do it over. Uh, I love the challenge of television, especially on our show. We do a lot of emotional work. My character had a lot of emotional scenes. So having to do that over and over, I love that challenge because it's not easy to do. And you don't, you're not always, you know, it's hard to be present 
like that all the time. Theater, of course, you get to go from A to Z every night, which is mm-hmm. a fun thing. As you know, in TV, you may shoot this scene and then that scene and this moment, you know, after the moment before and all that. So it's, uh. I think it should be reiterated that TV work is deluxe with a capital D. Yes. The thing that I have noticed about it is we're lucky in that we have a lovely group of people that we're working with and I think we're all proud of what we're doing and we're representing the theater and for for all the nitpicking that people do about the details Mm -hmm. and, you know, the trajectory of the show and there Mm -hmm. is some nitpicking and that's okay i think it's exciting that people are passionate about it but i think we're all proud of what we're doing but to get picked up to be taken care of and as i say to get free fresh vegetables at lunchtime (laughs) is like you know it's the highest class job you can get what i found to be incredibly discombobulating about it is that schedule i love the regiment of the theater i love knowing what my hours are going to be and being able to pace out my week and uh, maybe it's the swissman in me and i mean that i have swiss blood um, that, well done. Well uh, done. Thank you. Uh, that there is um, not another person in here right now is what he's trying to say. <laughs> and I'm not Swiss. They can't see. <laughs> My voice is very low, so it can be disorienting for everybody right now. Um, no, the the not knowing when you're going to work on a day to day basis, the kind of five o'clock calls, and I th- I found it to be for the body and the mind uh, more exhausting than doing yes. eight shows a week on. Yeah, concentrate uh, the mind especially. I've, I, I'm very tired at the end of a shooting day. Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't do much or say much that day, even yeah. if I was you know in the background that day, just to get your brain there every time is kind of hard. I enjoyed my weekend though. Yes. The theater, there is no such thing as a weekend. Well, in the theater, when everybody else goes away for a vacation, for holidays, <laughs> or for the weekend, that's when we have more to do. Yes. And that is deluxe about TV. They're having those weekends off, oh my lord. Tell me a little bit about this cast that we work with because this cast, I mean, it's like a dream cast. You're there. What do you want me to say? Because I oh, want you <laughs> want me to talk about it so other people can hear about it. Okay. <laughs> let's just be, let's clarify our terms. But I mean, like, what, do you, have you had a favorite moment on Smash? Like a favorite shooting day or a favorite moment that you watched on the show? Yeah, I actually, there was a, there's one that pops to mind, which is that I, not having had really any television experience. I, you've done a lot of guest mm-hmm. starring work. Mm-hmm. My longest TV experience was a decade ago on Law & Order. I played a young street tough named Tanto. Did you? <laughs> yes. But my, what my the, wait, screen, wait, wait, wait. What did Tanto do? Was Tanto his... was a friend of the kid who actually got the good scene. So I stood there on a very chilly playground in a scene with... Well, the, the nice part about it was that I got to spend five minutes in a warming car with Jerry Orbach. And he told a joke. I don't remember what it was. But, of course, he was an incredibly elegant, charming man. Yes. And as somebody who knows my theater history, I was really excited about that. Wow. And Jesse Martin was very, very sweet. But I basically was the the, the kid who was filming the incident and then had a camera grabbed out of my hand. My line was, hey! <laughs> and was your friend's name Kimosabi? <laughs> How dare. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Um, so my screen credit was longer than my screen Axel appearance. Line. <laughs> nice. anyway, so that was really pretty much the extent of my television work. Okay. So I spent the pilot, which we filmed last year, mm-hmm. and then most of the first five or six episodes just getting used to what this new environment is and learning the vocabulary and you know listening to Jeff Cameraman A, Jeff Molstock, awesome. who was one of the most uh, instrumental people in sure. teaching me the craft of of acting on camera. Yeah. Because, you know, you have these directors and you have the writers and everybody who's looking at the macro thing and then you have, you're doing a scene and then there's Jeff who's two feet away and he's the one who says, listen, if you just lean to your left on that line, I'll be able to get you both. 
and that's going to you know solve every problem. So it's the the thing that is in our th- theatrical bones. Yeah. Um, is not necessarily in our TV bones. Right. So there was one episode. It was actually the one that just aired where we were uh, – I was with my boyfriend at the Republican uh, Oh, sure. Benefit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the first day that it was um, – I was working with Neil Bledsoe who plays uh, John. He's who, lovely, yeah. At the time of this airing, we now know is no more. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, everyone. But um, – and it was the first day that I was kind of, you know, on the call sheet, you have numbers one through whatever, and I'm number four in the call sheet. Yes, you are. And it was the first time that I was, like, the number at work, and then it was Sweet Neil, who was uh, guest starring, and then extras. And I felt, for the first time, not nervous, mm. and felt mm-hmm. kind of in control of what I was doing, and felt like I could make suggestions or solve problems, and that, to me, is what's exciting about TV work, is that... Every day, there's a new problem to solve, and people are pretty collaborative. If there's a line that you're like want to tweak a word or two, they want it to feel comfortable yeah. coming out of you. And uh, finding, you know, with the props, it, it's incredibly collaborative. And the, you know, the cliche of it being different from the theater, I actually think it's the same feeling of family, the same feeling of collaboration. Totally How do you agree. feel about that? I would totally agree. There's an odd thing I was thinking about that while you're saying that the family part. You know, when we rapped, that was an odd moment because everybody raps at a different time. You know, when you finish a Broadway show or finish a show, and you've been with the, even if, and I've been some, I've been in some shows that have closed in a week, but you're mm-hmm. still around these people for a month or two, and they're they're your family, and you're around them all the time, and you end the show together, and you all cry together, and then the next Tuesday rolls around when you're supposed to be at work, and you're like. Where is everybody? Yeah. On TV, you know, I rapped at midnight one night and everybody else had already rapped. You hadn't rapped yet. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. like, um, and this is Will Chase's rap. Okay, next yeah. scene. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, bye. Everybody. There's work to be done. Yeah. And psychologically speaking, I was supposed to rap on a Thursday and then they came up to me on Wednesday and they're like, uh, did they tell you that we wrote a new scene that's shooting on Monday? And I had the most visceral, like, <laughs> how dare, dare you? you? My whole body was prepared <laughs> to be done on Thursday. I want to, uh, if I may, so, and you can feel free to talk about this sure. or not, we can talk about something else, but... Do you feel like talking about that feeling of investing in something that you've been working on with all of your heart and soul? Talk about, I think, like High Fidelity or Story of My Life. Sure. How long was did Story of My Life? Story of My Life, uh, life ran for four days. Holy crap. <laughs> so <laughs> that's after previews, which was only two weeks. Yeah. That feeling then of when you realize that it's not going to be what you all hoped that it would be. Yeah. And you still love it. Tell me about that. You have to – well, you know, we spend – we people in the industry and have gone through it. You have to love. You have to love it. Do you know what I mean? The piece you've chosen to do because you chose to do it. I mean, I have taken some work because I needed the work. But though I've, I've, I hope those days are over. You know, <laughs> uh, knock on something. Um, and you've you've chosen this piece and you believe in this piece and you have to. Um, and I I wouldn't trade it. If somebody showed me the script of story of my life today, I'd do it again because you know it. To me, that's the kind of theater I like. I like storytelling theater. I like two people on stage. The other person was Malcolm Getz, who's a lovely human being. He's an amazing human being. Yeah, and the writing was lovely, and it was at the booth, which is a great little uh, theater. So for me, this is what I want theater to be. And, you know, in my brain, I thought it's going to run a month, too, something like that. But I think there's room for that. In the Broadway world, who knows? There's, there's not a lot. It, it certainly wasn't commercially viable. And then you're always, you're always relying on other people. You're relying on producers to keep shows open. You're relying on publicity people to do their part. So once you learn to give that stuff up, it even frees you up more as the artist and going, well, you know, if it runs, it's like smash, you know, we're, that, that, the tension on the set at moments uh, close to when we were finding out we're going to get picked up or right. before the premiere. Nerves, I think. That was maybe palpable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nerves. Cause everybody's like, 
believes in this thing we're doing and they all want it to be successful. Of course, you want people to watch it. I've never paid attention to numbers like I do with, you know, Smash. I, right. I, in theater, I don't, I, I still don't read reviews, but I'll still look at the numbers to see what we did last night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's in important. the same way too, though, I think it, it's so stark with Smash, with the ratings, for example, that like, I, of course, am curious, but there's by that point literally nothing that we can do. So it's an exercise in kind of controlling what you can control and then letting the other people do their thing. Yeah. We are not in charge of the marketing. You know, uh, we are not in charge of the the overload of uh, of images and commercials that led to almost what I like to call <laughs> backsmash. Um, I think like we just made it in, but like oh, there was still like we were like heading over. But anyway, be that as it may, there's no magic formula, obviously, no. for having a hit or not. No. Can you talk about like those shows and the shows that you were in that were successful mm-hmm. without hurting anyone's feelings? Because I don't think it's about pointing fingers or sure. blaming people. But like, what are some of the hits and misses? I mean, in terms of, do you mean uh, who can I blame? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Who should I Name blame names. for? No, no. Uh, of course I'm lying. I want to hear every dirty detail. Well, you know this. It ta- just like it does on television. It's a miracle that any Broadway show ever gets up anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle that it happens. It's a miracle that somebody wrote it. Somebody wants to produce it. There's always a million cooks in the kitchen. I was yeah. going to ask you that as another topic about all the directors on Smash. Which I want to hear what your thought is about that because when in theater, obviously you're doing this lovely thing, and uh, Roger Reese is your director, right? One of them. I have two. Oh, we have Alex two. Timbers have and, two. and Roger Reese. But yeah. you know, the, you know, you're around these people. You know what they do. It's the same vision they had off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Of course, things change, and, and blah, 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 blah. What was it like to be uh, on a television show with a different director every week? What is that like? The major difference is is that we created a family with the cast and crew and even all the executive producers mm-hmm. and the head writers and all mm-hmm. the writers. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly a director comes in and it's incumbent upon them to fit in. So they're kind of – the difference is they are on trial in a way. And a lot of the people that we had are obviously incredible television professionals. All of them were and they yeah. came in with a different sensibility and some of them fit into the vibe better than others. Right. There were no disasters. Right. But there are certain ones that you click with and that click with the cast and give you the kind of direction that make you feel excited. But again, it's interesting. It's, it's the same thing as feeling – I remember – and I don't mean this in a mean-spirited way. I was in the 2000 revival of Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh-huh. I was a disciple not an apostle, a disciple, <laughs> which means I didn't get invited to the Last Supper. But boy, oh boy. Um, but we were in, we were rehearsing downtown around Jane Street in some big space, and we were really convinced that this was amazing. Like, what? Did I not know that? I, I did read your bio, and I know you a while. I didn't know you were in that. <laughs> anyway, get it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> Not great. Let's just say that. Um, but we really thought it was going to be amazing. And right. then there was a point at which we got into the theater and people started coming and we realized that it was not working. And I think that it's, you know, in terms of clicking with directors, clicking with actors, there are times when you think, oh, this is the thing. This is the real deal. And then you kind of see it and it maybe didn't bring out the best in you. Mm-hmm. I had that experience on Smash once. I remember thinking I got the best direction I've ever gotten. And I think it was just because it, they weren't critical of me at all. They were like, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> so, Now, I, I have to say, and I tell you this, we text a lot sometimes, uh, we, and we are 
we are those guys that sometimes sit home and watch the show well, together. I've never been on national television before. <laughs> Have you but there are nights too. It's like, oh yes, manager's on. You know, no, no, you're no. but then we're sitting there. Uh, I do text you often though because I literally, Christian, every choice you make on that show, I think is so lovely and bold and. We joke a lot about uh, TV's really small, so we well, you can't see me right now. But we we act like you can't even move your face because yeah. it's that small. I well, guess. that's what you think it is coming into it. But it's so not, and you're so you're just as broad and let's bold. just say over the top. Go on. <laughs> but I think it was Alan Cumming who said um, on the uh, Did you ever see uh, Titus Julie Tamer's movie yes, Titus? Yes. There's a making of, and he <laughs> ta- and he's bold and broad in that. He mm-hmm. goes, I believe you can be as bold and big as you like as if long as it's, it's truthful. truthful. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And your stuff is so – it's so inventive and imaginative. I'm always – my – I'm always scared. You know, you want to be natural and real. Mm-hmm. I'm always worried that my choices are not going to be inventive or interesting. I don't get in my head that much about it. But you know what I mean, though? Yes. Because you go, okay, this is just a natural scene. We're in the park. We're sitting in the park. She's going to tell me I'm fired, and I'm going to beat her to the punch, and my kids are over there. And you're hoping that you're being truthful and honest, but you're also hoping that, you know, it's no. inventive and I, interesting dramatically. If Well, first of all, all those things are very nice to say, and I have two things to say on the, on the topic. <clears throat> I do think that if I have an acting philosophy, and I fail often at this, but what it should be is just try to be believable and try to be entertaining. If you can do those things, mm-hmm. because why? then why are you watching Right. Um, other than that? Um, <laughs> you are an inherently truthful actor, and there's an ease to your work that you can't go wrong. So I would say the more that you can do the choice, and you're like, smoking a little doob in that one episode. Oh, right. That's right. Um, yeah, but, okay. That so, was the, you, I remember you saying to me after that scene, it was the, you said, that was true Will James right there. <laughs> Just being a goofy. A little window into <laughs> Smoking a little doob. Um, We're the, talking about smoking a little doob. That's what my character said on the show. It's all fictional. Um the person that I watched that I was inspired by the most was Deborah Messing, who was most often my scene partner. And I decided to come in to this job and watch her like a hawk and learn from her. And she was the one that I, I saw her on set. Because you think uh, – Jack Davenport gave me some great advice right out of the gate. He said, if you, think of, if you go home at night and think about the scene that you did, you will drive yourself crazy. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, it's, that's what's different from theater, too. Theater, you go home at night and you actually can come up with you, – you fine-tune it. You come well, in the next day. It's a growing thing. It's a growing thing. Right. TV, you're done. When you're done, you're done. So if you think about it, you'll go nuts. And so within that, the fear is I'm not going to get it right on the day. And as you say, yes, we can do it over and over and over again and tweak little things. But if you have a bigger idea, um, it's gone. So the task was in watching Deborah's was to let go of the fear that it's going to be wrong. And within that, be creative and be brave and mm, be bold. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, given it's in her bones. She's been yeah. on TV for the better part of the last two decades. And she's really intense on set. I remember first time working with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are, you know, people, everybody's different. I tend to be, I tend to go to a goofy place and I tend to move around a lot before we shoot. Even if it's a still moment, I like to move around. I like to walk around. I like to maybe do the line in my head, stuff like that. She's intense. Yeah. Even if it's a funny scene or whatever, she's like, when she's not at her chair checking text and whatever, mm-hmm. she's like really intense. Well, she and, takes it very, very seriously. Yeah, when you're number one on a show, I guess you That's do. Right. You know, and then to you know sit around. We, we uh, I love talking about our cast because we get to sit around with Angelica Houston and I know, and she's like 
the most normal, cool lady ever, ever, and Truly. cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, I remember Scott Whitman walked up one time and was talking to her, and we were just having a conversation. I think about iPads or something. And then she, they got on the subject of, oh, daddy, one time Montgomery Clift was over, and we went from talking about iPads to, oh, yeah, she's Hollywood royalty. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So to look around that room, you've got Jack, who's incredibly crazy talented, Angelica, Deborah, and then this great, lovely, let's talk about a little bit, just for our Smash fans, let's talk about, the, I call them the Greek chorus on our show. Who are Wesley and Savannah and all those people? I yeah. love how they fit into our show. And I love how our writers have put them into our show. And I even would like them to go more of the Greek chorus route. Yeah. I, I think it's a fantastic element that they show what th- those people who sit on the sides and are the hardest working people in general. Yes. And whose bodies are the most banged up. Um, and, and see everything. It's so fun. I mean, that's when, when the show is compared in any way. And I think comparisons for the show become tricky whenever you mention <laughs> anything else. Of course. Um, so take this lightly. Mm-hmm. But the upstairs, downstairs aspect of it, which is that there are people at the top of the business, whether it's producers or writers or even like star actors, who get to the point where they don't think that other people are watching them. They live in a yes, bubble. Yes. And what the ensemble of a show who is there every day from 10 to 6 and then call at every single thing, the things that they see, I, I joke that, and it's really true. Everybody who's ever done a tour or a long run on a Broadway show has an idea for a TV show about backstage. <laughs> That's right. Because the things that you see, truly, there are reasons that people write books and TV shows about it. And I think, to be honest, that some of the stuff on Smash doesn't even come close Let's talk I about the theater. I would totally for a agree. Um, there's a genuine love around Smash and around the people creating it for the theater mm-hmm. and a desire to get it right and mm-hmm. for it to have verisimilitude. But by necessity, with the television form, we have to fudge some things. Do you think that Smash gets the emotion of what it is to live and breathe the theater is? Yes, overall. I think there are certain episodes that spend more time on that, what that's like. There are some more episodes that go into the lives of people and what that's like. But, yeah, I think it's fairly close. And, again, like you said, it's a TV drama. Yeah. They do fudge some things because they only have 45 minutes, really, yeah. of room to tell story. It, it's not documentary. It's not hour-long yeah. on HBO. What I've been saying to people is that if there's something that doesn't ring true, chances are somebody spent a half an hour – exploring the true option and then realized that's going to take four pages yes as opposed to a half page and we move on and so, I, I would agree with you i mean a lot of it is true i don't read reviews but i know that there have been things like oh some somebody would never act like that or a person would never i've done this for a long time you have too i've been in some rooms i've seen things happen yeah i've seen people blow up but i guess that that um that would lead to those are moments that you never forget. So I guess the argument is if that were to happen, then everybody would react differently. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. And I get some of that. One, my favorite nitpick was that uh, in a scene where I was sitting in Times Square at one of the tables with Megan Hilty, yeah. and they were like, anybody who works on Broadway would never actually sit at one of those tables <laughs> in Times Square. And I was like, okay. Okay. But, but we were shooting in Times Square. <laughs> You've missed the cool part. We were shooting. They um, shut down Times Square for me to eat at one of those tables. Um, tell me, um, in, in our dwindling time here, I, fr- I just saw you in Pipe Dream. It was oh, so beautiful. It's the you. strangest little crustacean-themed <laughs> musical I've ever seen in my life. The only crustacean-themed musical, musical um, you've ever seen. I was so jealous of, uh, of your leading man beard and voice and quality. Um, it was really, really lovely. Uh, 
Tell me a little bit about the difference between encores and about a longer rehearsal process and fold it into that. Um, is there a dream stage role in Mr. Will Chase? I think there might be. And, you know, it's funny when I revisit, you know, I have the everybody thinks of me with the rock chops and the rock and roll and, and – um, Rent and all that, and then I'll do something like you know a pipe dream, and and uh, I love seeing the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. The, the the thing about encores, and you've done one, uh, you have a week and a half kind of of rehearsal for this piece, and it's usually an obscure piece uh, that you don't know at all. Uh, this one does, doesn't exist in the canon really at all. There's no you know. If I'd never played Curly, I still know that Curly in Oklahoma, I still kind of know what that is in the zeitgeist. Oh, mm-hmm. Curly's this, or he, they usually dress him like this, or he sings, you know. This didn't exist, so you're kind of ha- really having to create something and create it quickly. Yes. The lovely thing about encores, too, is they just kind of hold up the piece and go, here it is. We're not doing a revival. We're not commenting on it. We're not saying, here's our sensibility now. We're saying, here's what this was in 1956. You know? uh-huh. That said, Rodgers and Hammerstein, and, and, and I spoke to some R&H people about this. I would love to do uh, Billy Bigelow mm-hmm. badly. I, w- I would love to. So <laughs> that would be badly. your goal. <laughs> um, I, I, mean, I want to be the one that's terrible. <laughs> in, the, in the canon, that's what I would like to do. I would love to do, uh, I would love to do Carousel because that's, that's fun to sing. Yeah. and. Uh, and right in my wheelhouse right now, and mm-hmm. you know, I can, and, and you can go out and party and still sing that stuff. So. <laughs> um, now, I have a question for you. Hit me. What was it like to get nominated for an Antoinette Perry <laughs> or a Tony Award? What was that feeling? I'm positively thrilling. <laughs> I still have the little nominee pin on my mantle. <laughs> You've of got course. a lot of You've also got a Boba Fett head on your mantle. That's a different podcast, good sir. That's true, though. Yes. No, obviously, you know, I say with all humility, who doesn't want to be nominated or win a Tony? It's a dream of all of ours. I think it's – yeah. Did you not believe it? I mean, was it one of those moments going, I fooled them? How – or did you love the – that's all – that's that's folded into what we think all the time. Like I can't believe I'm allowed to do this right. because we still are – for me, I'm still 15 years old and 4'11". <laughs> right. You know. Um, He's not 4'11". He, I was I, when I was 15. Were you really? Oof, yes. <laughs> that's quite a growth spurt that you had at 16 and 17. <laughs> it happened mercifully. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> But uh, no, no, no. Obviously, it was a thrill, and uh, and I did. I, I even I didn't have a, a chance in hell of winning a Tony Award that year. But um, I wrote a little speech that I had tucked into my my you, suit pocket. And you have it here today. Yes, <laughs> it goes a little have... something like this. Will Chase recently concluded his role as Doc in the Encore. Um, no, but I, I found it a couple uh, months ago, and uh, it was. Please let me see it. No, no, it was bad. I'm glad I didn't get. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines no, <laughs> but I also think that you have a responsibility to be prepared. Even you got a one in five shot of winning a Tony Award. You your responsibility not only to the people who are giving you the award, but to your community is to not get on stage and be like, oh my god, oh my god, I. Oh. And all you can do is think Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know, thrilling. So we have uh, just a minute left. Any last uh, bit of advice? Any last things you want to say? Uh, <laughs> let's talk, if no, if you could give advice to young people coming up who are just coming into the business, what would you say? Uh, hustle, 
the hustle never stops. It's just, you know, like now we're, we, we, we're at a different point in our careers, but you're still hustling. You still have, you know, I have a team of people that, uh, Find help, find work for me, but it's still, I still have to go in the room. I still have to hustle. Be prepared. Uh, be prepared. I'm finding that's the biggest one. Be prepared. I've been in rooms. I've been on the other side of the table before. Have you ever been on the other side of the table in an audition? Once, yes. And it's very enlightening because they you, want you to get it. That yeah. was the thing that I found interesting. Everybody wants you to be great and get the role in the room. And I've seen people come in really, really unprepared. Yeah. So I guess, yes, be prepared. I had a terrible the, audition the Boy Scout for uh, Enron. I just blew it. And uh, I, I, it's when I realized I you have to be completely and utterly memorized and off book. Yeah. Hold the pages. But when I went in for Angels in America, I think that's one of the things that put me over the top. And you were is, lovely in that. Thank you very much. That's a whole other conversation. Anyway, thank you, Christian. It's been lovely to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you about the craft. <laughs> and that's not cheese. That's acting. No, that's right. I meant it with a C. Um, all the best to you. you and too, sir. Uh, come see Peter and the Starcatcher, everyone. Yes, I will. And please tune in to Smash. We're allowed to plug here, right? Yeah, go for it. All right. And you're going to be back for season two, yeah? I am, yeah. Oh, oh Swifty. <laughs> I hope they give us some things to do. Bye. <laughs> Hello, I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Downstage Center. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Our engineer for today's show is Chad Bernhard. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theater Wing is available online, on demand, for free at americantheaterwing.org. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit our website, americantheaterwing.org, and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theater Wing, thanks for your support and thanks for listening.